You are holy, Lord. You are holy and worthy and wonderful. And yes, Lord, we want the eyes of our heart to see you. We want the eyes of our heart to be open wide. We desire, Lord, to have eyes that we see and ears that we hear and hearts that we know you intimately, Lord. Father, I pray tonight as I just uh, share this seed of this word about our hearts, Lord, that our hearts tonight are ready to receive all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way. Open up and reveal to our hearts God's promises, God's word, God's seed for our heart tonight. We know that there's power in your seed and Father, I pray that our hearts nurture that seed, that our hearts give that seed a home to grow and to be fruitful. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Yay, God. So over the last several weeks, I've been sharing a variety of teachings about receiving from God. Way back when, when Kent and I first joined Pastor Tim's ministry team, the name of his Tuesday night meetings was Insights into Healing. That's what I feel like we've been sharing over the last several weeks. Insights into healing. Insights into receiving from God. Tonight, God put this message on my heart a long time ago. It was probably about a year ago. And I jot down notes when I feel like there's something that there's just stirring. And I often don't know why. It's like, I don't even know. I just have a, 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 like a word or a, or a scripture. And it's like just stirring. And it's like, okay, God, I, I hear you. I know that there's something there you want me to glean or to a revelation, a new revelation or a deeper revelation. And so I write it down. And then I, I kind of forgot about it. And... He brought it back to the surface, and I think I know why. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily just for you. In fact, I know it's not just for you. It's big time for me, big time. Because when I started going through and just reading this word and meditating on it, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It was a week of uh, intense time with God and him speaking to me about me. So although I believe it will minister to you too, I, uh, it's really for me. So we're going to talk about the heart, the condition of our heart. And there's a part one and a part two. Um, tonight, we're really going to look at the seed and the soil. So let's go right to the word. This is a very common, amazing parable that Jesus taught, the parable of the sower. I'm going to read it from the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to be talking about this parable all evening. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it didn't have as much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And Jesus said to them, 
He who has ears, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I'm just going to take a mini moment. I believe this is a foundational teaching. Jesus said this parable, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the others? Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct, he was called teacher. He was addressed as teacher more than any other name in the New Testament when he was being addressed by people. He was teaching this parable as a foundation. And if he, Jesus, was teaching this as a foundation, no wonder he wants us to have this teaching as a foundation. And then this is what he shared. Jesus was teaching. And he said, the sower sows the word. So first thing, the seed is the word. And these are the ones by the wayside. So we're going to look at four different heart conditions. The first one are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Here's the second one. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Another word for stumble is they're offended. They fall away. The third person the third heart condition. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And here's the fourth. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So this is a healing meeting. This is a, a time to come and be filled with the word about healing. I want fruitfulness in this ministry. It's my heart's passion is to see the fruit of the word be rich, 100-fold kind of rich. And when we read this parable, we see conditions where fruit isn't produced, where there's unfruitful situations. So I believe for me and for all of us, it's important to look at what, why? Why is this condition unfruitful? And if, if I can do something to grow in my walk so that I'm more fruitful, I want to know that. So that's, I believe, the gist of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So the seed itself is what contains the power. And the seed is the word. So this is where the power is. It's not in the ground. It's in the seed. But the seed needs a place to grow. When you have seed, um, for example, if you, if you garden and you start your, your flowers or your vegetables from seed, that seed can be in a package. It can be on the shelf forever. It doesn't sprout until you put it in the ground. The seed of the word, the power's here, 
but it doesn't produce without our hearts, without being sown into our hearts. Now, when we read this parable, and we're going to keep going to this as the parable shows us, but many times Satan is the one that comes to steal. But he's not after you. He's after the word. Because the word is where the power is. And he gets to that through us. He gets to the word through us. So here's the, 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 the most important thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it two or three times. The word, the seed, has the same potential in all of us. It has the same power in every single one of us. But the fruitfulness of the seed is determined by the condition of our heart. That's a big deal. I want, and I know you want, as a follower of Christ, we want our lives to be fruitful. We want the seed of the word, the promises, the promises of healing that we were talking about tonight when we were making declarations. And even, Kathy, when you were starting, you said it's so important. Close your eyes. Let this word sink in. Because we don't want it just in our head. We want it in our heart. We want our heart to be open to receive it. Because the condition of our heart is what determines the fruitfulness of the seed. Now, um, those of you who know me know that Andrew Womack is one of my favorite teachers. And I've been listening a lot because I'm doing Karis Bible College online. And he said something. He called it an andeology. And that means that it's not necessarily, he's not positive. This is biblically the way that God intended it. But this is what he thinks. He says that he doesn't, he doesn't think that these four kinds of heart conditions are random. In other words, some people have this heart, some people have that heart, some people that heart. Andy, Andy, <laughs> Andrew <laughs> Womack believes that it's progressive. He believes that basically we all go through spiritual growth, we have the potential anyway, we have the potential to grow spiritually and make progress from one of these kinds of soils into the next, into the next, and into the good ground that produces fruit. So, you could, like I said, that's um, not necessarily, it doesn't say that in the parable, but if that's true, I want to make progress through these. Amen. So we're going to start with soil number one, the wayside. So just picture for a moment. Well, I'll read the scripture first, and then we'll picture. Mark 4 again. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So picture uh, uh, just seed being sown, being you know, planted, and some of it falls on the sidewalk, Maybe you're planting grass seed to fill in the, the thin parts of your lawn. But some of it falls on the sidewalk. That doesn't grow. It doesn't have anywhere to grow. There's no soil except maybe in the cracks or at the edge. So it doesn't grow. But the animals can come and take that seed. The enemy can steal the seed. So what does that look like in our lives? I'm going to read another version from the book of Matthew. Same parable, but Matthew's... Um, heart in the story. And this is what Matthew says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So Matthew goes a little bit 
more, a little bit further, and he says they don't understand it. The seed is sown, but they don't understand it. When I was thinking of this, I was kind of, I had two um, examples that, that I thought of. One is the worldview that we're in right now. In the worldview, because people, many people think that Christians are, I don't know what, soft. Um, they need uh, the support of Jesus, or they're not strong enough on their own, or this is their whatever. I, I, we know that that's a bunch of baloney, because we need, yeah, we, we do need Jesus with everything, but he makes everything 100%, a zillion percent richer and fuller and, and perfect. But the worldview is a, 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 like this, this wall that says, no, I don't need that. I'm here. I don't need your Jesus. I don't need your promises for whatever. That's the stony heart. That's the wayside. That's the one that has such a wall that the devil, even though the word's given, because I bet everybody in this country has heard about Jesus. Even though the word's given, the devil can just take it because there's such a hardness. Now, I want to give you another example. And this, is, this I believe, really happened with me because I see myself in each one of these seed soils. When I was first, um, before I was diagnosed with cancer, people would share pieces of promises of the word with me. And I had a hardness. My hardness was caused by religion. My hardness was caused by growing up with a specific denomination that said, this is the only, the only true denomination. And this is the only way to get to heaven and I believed it. I mean, that's what I had been taught. I believed it. So when people came to me and talked to me about salvation or about a relationship with Jesus or anything like that, oh, I had a big fat wall. And I said, I don't need that. I am totally saved. I'm good. And the devil could just steal it. They were telling me truth. They were telling me the importance of relationship with Jesus and the devil was just, I mean, taking that right away because of my hardness. That seed was sown on the wayside or on the hardness of my heart. This is the only type of person Satan has complete access to seal from. There's, there's no work for him. He just comes and pulls it off the sidewalk. Now, the, the um, remedy for that is knowledge. The remedy to that is to, to get knowledge. But in order to get the knowledge, you got to let it in. That's why I wanted to start with the song, God, open the eyes of our hearts. That's why that was my opening prayer. God, open our hearts so that we're teachable, so that we're open. So I'm going to read a scripture. <clears throat> this is like the complete opposite of the wayside. This is Psalm 1. And what it talks about is when, you're, when you just, you don't have to be like a superstar. When you just say, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm just going to let you in a little bit here. Oh, what he can do. He just, I remember when I first started seeking God, it was like the, the world broke open. This whole new thing that I'd never experienced. And it was, I didn't do hardly anything. God just got in that little bitty crack and started doing in a major work in me. But, um, but, what it really focuses on in this scripture is the importance of exactly what Kathy was talking about. And that isn't just getting the promise in, 
but it's meditating on that promise, meditating on it, feeding on it, hearing it, and hearing it, and hearing it. Listen to the scripture. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the, with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. When I look at those, those lines, I think about the world's view. That's kind of where the world's at. But this is what he does do. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He's never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. That's like night and day from the wayside, right? That's the deeply rooted, richly flourishing, amazing fullness of life with God. But the middle line, meditating, meditating day and night in the revelation of light. So you're here at a healing meeting. You are here receiving the seed about healing. That's why I'm so passionate about healing. I know. I get to see lives changed. I get to see bodies healed. I get to see so much radical um, impact of the power of the word in you. And there's nothing I'd rather do than share the word and teach it because we need that so that we can take it in and let it grow and, and do what it's going to do to be fruitful. But your part, and me too, is to be meek. I'm going to tell you what meek means. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are those who are meek. There's a lot of scriptures about being meek. I'm going to read one of them in just a minute. But the term meekness doesn't mean weak or, or, or puny or anything like that. The word meek means teachable. It means open. It means to be hungry, to be ready to learn. And that's an important characteristic, to come open and hungry and ready to learn. Even if you've heard it, like Kathy said, you maybe read those scriptures a thousand times. Every time God says, be open, like this parable that I've read, I don't even know how many times this week, he just opened it up in a whole new way to me and really cut me to the heart in a good way because I'm open and teachable and meek. So I'm going to read a scripture about being meek. This is James 1.21. <clears throat> Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The word save in that scripture is sozo. Sozo means save, heal, deliver, and make whole. It says in this, script, in this scripture that when we receive with meekness or with openness the implanted word, guess what's happening? The, the seed that has power is getting planted in our heart, and that's when it can produce fruit. That's when it can grow. And it has the power to save your souls, to so-so your souls. Your souls are your mind, your will, and your emotions, and that's where healing begins. 
when you believe it, remember we've been talking about moving the, the precious promises from your inheritance in the spiritual realm into your life, and it happens through your soul. You need to receive it in your mind, your will, and your emotions, and that happens when that implanted word gets in there. I'm going to read the same scripture from the Passion Translation. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. And when I read that first part of the scripture, I'm thinking just plain worldliness, the world's view, the world's way. I want to abandon doing it the world's way. I want to do it God's way. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. And that's in the seed. That power is in the seed sown into our heart. So the first soil is the wayside, or the first ground is that, that wayside, that street, that sidewalk, that hardness. The second one is the stony ground. <clears throat> Mark 4 again. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So first, let's just picture seeds being sown and falling on like a gravel or a stony ground. The seeds try to get in there and, and take root. And they very well sprout because there's moisture, there's a little bit of dirt. They sprout, root tries to grow, but it doesn't get very far. It sprouts up. But because there's not much root, the sun causes it to wilt and fall away. That is the picture of this condition of heart. This person, this condition, isn't yet rooted in the word. The word's been given to them, and it's good news. And we, we receive that word with, with excitement. But we don't really yet know the full truth. You know, we're just learning. It's not in there. We don't have deep roots. And the enemy wants, he doesn't want you to produce. He doesn't want you to produce. So he wants you to stumble. So the enemy, the enemy, it's a common tactic. He sends persecution, tribulation, confusion, because he wants to steal the word. He's coming against the word. He's not coming against you. He's coming against the power of that word. So this is important. God doesn't send the persecution. God doesn't send the tribulation. God doesn't send that to confuse you. The enemy is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in order to get your focus off the word. So at the end of this verse, it says, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately he stumbles. Now, that word stumbles is also the, the word offense. We become offended and we stumble. And what I want to do now is I want to give you some examples of what that looks like so you can um, see if you have any of these um, um, symptoms 
Just like when you go to the doctor, he asks what the symptoms are so he can do a diagnosis and make you better. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some symptoms of, of this kind of heart. Number one, and these aren't in any specific order. I just This is the way they happen to come into my heart when I was meditating on it. The first one is being persecuted because of what you believe by people who don't agree with you. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of it, especially in my own family. So when I was first um, diagnosed and I came to know, or I started to come to know that Jesus was the healer, my family thought I was a little bit crazy. They didn't know, they didn't understand, neither did I, to tell you the truth. I wasn't deeply rooted. It was really good news. When I had a death sentence and somebody, Jenny, gave me scriptural evidence that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. And I started to hear good news. But then when people disagreed with me or questioned me, I didn't even know how to answer them because I wasn't deeply rooted. Now, I continued to grow. I continued to ask questions. I continued to learn. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people, it's just too hard or it's confusing or they're not sure and they say, well, maybe that's wrong and you're right. And the devil steals the seed. He steals the promise. He steals the word. And, and that sprout that started to grow up, the scorching of the enemy wilts, you fall away and no fruit, no fruit of healing. Here's another example of how we might possibly stumble. It's called the fear of man. We may, and it kind of goes along with what we just talked about, we may compromise what we're learning because we're afraid of what people think of us. If we fear man, it will keep us from having the word of God work in us or through us. We see that in the world. We see that I was, uh, Alice was there last night and I shared, in the, in the political realm right now that we're in, we see this. And I don't want to go too much into politics, but, but there's the, the liberal mindset and the conservative mindset. And one is much more verbal than the other. And be, because, and I'm just going to put myself, because I am very conservative. When we um, are in the conservative mindset, many times it's because of our beliefs in the word. And because we are loving people because we're loved and we're loving, we, we don't tend to be as um, harsh or as critical because that's just not how we communicate. And so it makes us stand back and not speak up when we probably should be speaking up. The good news is we speak really loud with our votes <laughs> and we speak really loud with our prayers and both of those are very powerful. But the bottom line is, we shouldn't have a fear of man. Listen, I'm going to read two scriptures. They're both, actually, it's the same scripture. I'm going to read it out of two versions. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. That's the enemy, guys. That's the enemy. It's a trap. It's another one of his tactics. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And in the NLT, fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. So if we're fearing what people say about what you're believing, and if you back off and maybe um, backpedal 
the enemy can steal that promise and the power of the seed. Here's another possible way that we can stumble and fall away, and that is believing man-made ideas or traditions over God's word. This is a big one. This is a big one in Christian churches that don't believe or don't have the full depth of belief that it's God's will to heal. So you go to church and you hear something different from what the Bible says. Or you are prayed over in a different way than what the Bible says. You're prayed over with a, a, a wimpy prayer that says, whatever is your will, God. Well, you need to know the will of God. And when you know the will of God, you know it's his will to heal. So you pray and you believe for healing. You speak with authority instead of with that, that if it be your will prayer in regards to healing because we know God's will in regards to healing. Sometimes that's an appropriate prayer if, it's, if there's not a promise in the word for the thing that you're believing or praying for. But we need to believe God's word over the word of man. Listen to the scripture. This is Jesus speaking. This is what Jesus thought when people put man-made traditions and man-made thoughts above the word of God. This is Mark chapter 7. Jesus replied and he said, you are frauds and hypocrites. How accurately did Isaiah prophesy about you phonies when he said, these people honor me with their words while their hearts run far away from me. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. For they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. It's interesting. I was reading Isaiah this morning and I read that. It says it's from the prophet Isaiah. I read that this morning in the book of Isaiah. And I didn't even know where it was before. I, that Jesus was quoting. Now I want to tell you what happened to me. When I was... Um, when I was diagnosed, I was, uh, again, part of my, my growing up faith, which was a denominational faith. And I started to learn about, I started to read the word first for the first time in my life. I started to learn what the Bible said about healing specifically, because that was my focus, still is, as you can tell. But that was my focus, and I was pursuing God with all my heart for the first time in my life. So then I started to ask questions, well, what about what I've learned my whole life. What about this foundation of faith that I grew up with? So I went and I found a really good book about my faith. And I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna stop beating around the bush. I was brought up in, the, in Catholicism. But I didn't, I just believed, because that's where I grew up, that's what I went to church. I just, you know, that was my family. So here I'm learning all this, and so I'm starting asking questions. Well, what is the what does the Catholic Church base their teaching on? I just needed to know. So I found this really good book, and this is what I learned. I learned that Catholicism bases their faith on two very important foundations: the Word of God and the tradition of man. Those are the exact words that were used in the, the Catholicism doctrine book. And it wasn't a book against Catholics. It was a book about the Catholic faith, teaching about the Catholic faith. And I read that, and I, and I saw that the, the foundation of the teaching was based on 
not just the word of God, but also the tradition of man. And then I saw, this isn't the only scripture that talks about this tradition of man, where Jesus said, where they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. And I went, oh, God, I want my heart, my trust, my belief to be based on you. I, I mean, me and you, we all have faults. We all make mistakes. But God's word doesn't. God doesn't. And we want to base our beliefs and our foundations here. So that's another place where we can have that, that shallow root that grows up and then stumbles because something happens that causes you to just fall away. That was one of the most difficult times of my life as far as my faith because I had to make a decision. I love my family, you can tell, with all my heart, and I have an amazing family. But I had to take a step away and into a different place. And I've never turned back because my heart is in 100%. But I could have I made a different choice. And I could have stayed in that second heart condition of soil and not been fruitful. I needed to really believe what the word of God said. That's the second. Oh, there's one more, number four. Number four, the stumbling thing here. We can stumble if we reject the truth for someone else because they don't think they'll receive, because you don't think they'll receive. Oh, this one, this one makes me angry. And I've seen this. I've seen, and again, um, this, is, this is something that happens in my family. Um, they, know my, my, they know I was healed of cancer. They know that. But I think, they, I think their thought is God's a miracle-working God, and God can heal. But it's not always God's will to heal. I think that's what they believe. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not going there. But this is the, the frustrating part. They know that this is what I do that I teach healing, that I minister to people all the time. But they make a decision. They choose who to tell about Cindy's and Kent's ministry and who not to, based on who they think might receive. They make the decision. So if the person's just a little bit sick, they'll tell them about me. But if the person is a lot sick, they won't tell them about me. They won't connect them to our website or give them my phone number or, or let me pray for them or ask me to pray, I guess I should say. So it's like, it's not your decision. This is the word of God. We need to give the seed to everybody. You know, that's what the Bible says, share it with everybody. So that's another stumbling block. If we choose to say, well, you know, I don't think they'll receive, so I'm not going to even give it to them. That's, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Okay, let's go to the next soil. Soil number three, the thorny soil. <clears throat> and the seed sown among thorns represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. Do you see so far there's not been much fruit in soil number one, soil number two, soil number three. So this one's talking about thorns, and in some translations it uses the word weeds. So again, think about seed that is sown. 
And if seed is sown and it starts, it gets enriched so it starts to sprout. But if there's weeds there too, and if you allow the weeds to grow with the seed, that, that isn't going to be as fruitful. If you're planting flowers, it's not going to be as fruitful. If you're planting vegetables, they're not going to be as, they're not going to produce the same. If it's, because why? Because the weeds are taking the nutrients. The weeds are stealing from the, the power of the seed. Another, ta- another tactic of the enemy. He will try to occupy you or distract you with all sorts of things. Those are weeds and thorns. So the seed of God's word is starved of nutrients to produce fruit. So what are some potential thorns and weeds? The first one, and this one is what I'm really going to teach on the next time we're together. This is a big one. The first one is the hugeness of the problem. The sickness, the diagnosis, the pain, the issues of life the hurt, the woundedness, the brokenness, whatever it is. It's so big. We're created as, as a human being. And we have feelings. We have uh, 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 senses. We have, God's gifted us with that. But it can also become so big that it literally becomes an idol in our life. An idol is something that has more power over you than God. And his promises. We're going to address that in two weeks. Because that's a big, that's the biggest one. When you're in the need of healing, that's huge. So we're going to spend a whole session just on that. I would call that thorny ground. Just, it's, it's, but it's not impossible to focus on God and consider God and consider not the issue. Because God has given us the way to do that. But that's the first weedy or thorny issue. Here's another one. doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't. The enemy is a very crafty enemy. It can be family, everyday life. It can be things like social media, TV. We can fill our time really well with all sorts of things. And it can be distractions, weeds in our lives. It can be ministry. It can be fellowship. It can be service. We can fill ourselves so much with the doing that we're not having that time, that intimate time with God so that our heart is ready to receive everything that he has for us. Those are weeds. This is where God has really, really been speaking to me this week. Busyness is dangerous. It's one of the biggest hindrances to knowing, and that word knowing is an intimate word. It's one of the biggest hindrances to knowing God, to understanding, to have revelation, to experience him, to have encounters with him. It's one of the biggest hindrances. And as I've been talking to God a lot this week, and I've been, Kent and I have been having quite a bit of conversations this week, it's like, I really feel like, and it's nothing to do with this ministry. This is my absolute number one, you know, priority. But there are some other ministry things where I've just been really, 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 really busy. And God has been putting some things on my heart. But I don't have time. Literally, you don't have time. 
And it's like, God, if you want me to do this, what do I let go of? You know, and, and then my, my concern for me, because I'm just studying this, is, well, if I, if I let go of that, I don't want to just add more busyness. I want my ground of my heart to be good ground. So, God, yeah, I need help. I need direction. And maybe you're feeling or hearing something similar as I, as I share that. So, how do we remedy? Well, I'm praying into this right now for me. But we need to do a couple of things. We need to pull the weeds, and we need to feed the seed. We need to get weeds out. We need to get distractions out. Just like in your garden, you need to pull the weeds. And you also need to feed the seed with... uh, the water of the word, with the Holy Spirit's presence, with meditation, with intimate time with Father God, all sorts of things. You need to get rid of the distractions and you need to feed the seed. Last year, I discovered Miracle Grow. <laughs> I, am, I love flowers. I'm not great at it, but I do love them. And my dad, the, my amazing dad, Um, my mother used to be an amazing gardener and she doesn't do it anymore so my dad does it for her along with everything else and for Mother's Day he buys her tons of these big expensive planters packed full of plants and then he miracle grows them every week you ought to see his flowers well I used to try to do that but I was I kept forgetting And I would do it like once a month. And my flowers never looked as good as my mom's and my dad's. So last year, I did. I miracle grow them every week. And it was amazing. I had the best flowers I've ever had. That's what we need to do. We need to pull the weeds and we need to feed the seed. We need to miracle grow our seeds. So here's my question that I've been asking me. And God and I have been talking about this. But you're probably going to want to do the same thing. What are the things that are choking the quality and quantity of time with the word of God and relationship with him? Now, I have my time with God. I won't start my day without my time with God. But then I get busy. Then I get busy. And that's where God's been speaking to me. We need to stay single-minded on what God has called us into. Our first and continuous priority needs to be on the Lord and on his word. Matthew 6. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your body requires? So, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So the key here is, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. 
and then God takes care of everything else. I remember, again, back to the beginning of my journey with God, my relationship with him. Jenny gave me one little bitty nugget that made such an impact on my life. She said, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. So I did. I didn't really even know what that looked like. (coughs) I didn't know what it sounded like. I just showed up. I need another cough drop. And this is what happened. Everything else. God did everything else. All I did was show up. All I did was start to seek him. I wasn't any, you know, I wasn't a super faith woman. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know where to open the Bible. But I just showed up. And God started taking care of all those little details. He, I went through my journey, my healing journey, and it was one of the best seasons of my life because I was coming to know God and he was taking care of me. That's what I would literally say when people would ask me how I was doing. I would say, I'm doing really well. God is taking such good care of me because all I was doing was seeking him first and he was doing the rest. That's the third soil. And now we're going to go to number four, good ground. This is where we all want to be. This is where I want to be. I have been seeking God and crying out to him to see fruit, to see miracles, to see instantaneous healings and and outpouring of his power and his presence. I don't want to just be a word girl. I want there to be power behind the word. I want the word to be evident in your lives, in my life. And that's why I'm just pouring into this. And this is what God says. But some of the seeds fell onto good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Do you hear that? Kept producing. It wasn't a one-time harvest. It was constant. It was ongoing. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as was planted. I want to see that. I want to see that 100-fold sowing or or harvesting. But the seed sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts and accept and receive the word and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times more than what was sown. The key is to be open to open your heart, to accept and receive the word and bear fruit. And the fruit is amazing. Accept and receive it. Now, here's something interesting. That ground doesn't have more than the, undergrad, than the other kinds of grounds. It has less. It has less hardness. It has less stones. It has less weeds. It has less thorns. But what does it have? It has more God dependence. It has more openness. It has more acceptance and receiving. And you don't have to even understand. That's what I've learned. And it's really awesome. You don't have to understand everything. Just to be open. To say, God, I choose to believe you. God, I choose to trust you. I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there. But I choose to trust you. 
God's given us all we need, and that's the seed of the word. But again, it's not the seed that makes the difference, but the ground that it's sown in. And our heart is that ground. Listen to this scripture. This is John 15, the scripture about Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. And I'm going to read two or three verses from this this chapter. Verse 4. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. That's important. That's important. Remaining in him. That's why all of those weeds and those distractions and those things that occupy our time and our hearts. And God may be saying, it's time to weed some of them out. That's what he's speaking to me. In verse 7 and 8, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is if we're vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a promise. My father, and listen to the result, My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Not only do we bear fruit, but our Father is glorified. There's nothing better than pleasing Father God. So I have put a prayer in your your handout that is a paraphrase of Scripture. Kathy started out with the declaration, praying the word. That's what I call declarations. Praying the word, declaring the word over my heart and my life. This scripture is specifically for my heart. Paul prayed this prayer for the church of Ephesus. It's now the church of Jesus Christ, this prayer. But what I've done is I've made it first person, present tense. So that I can pray this prayer for me to open my heart and to shine the light of revelation in my heart so that I become better ground, so that I grow up spiritually and become better and better ground. So let's read this together. Let's pray this together. And this is something that you may want to take and pray over your own heart on a consistent basis. I know I'm going to. So let's pray. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to me the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through my deeping intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of my heart, flooding me with light until I experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in me, his holy daughter. I pray that I will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to me through faith. Then my life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works in me and through me. Amen. Amen. I want to be an advertisement of God's power. I want the seed to be so powerful that it flows in me and through me. And I know you guys do too, right? And that's the fruit of healing. This is a healing class. The seed of the word about healing has the power. When it's in this ground... And this ground is, uh, the weeds are out and the seed is fed, 
with intimacy with God, it has to produce. That's what the word says, and I believe the word. Amen. Amen. Um, Now, many people are running from meeting to meeting and um, minister to minister to get hands laid on us for healing, and there's nothing wrong with that. We want to pray, but this teaching is foundational. Not just prayer and manifestation of power, but also the power of the word in our hearts. Listen to this scripture. This is the account of Doubting Thomas. He's already, in, when I pick up where I'm going to read, he has already told the rest of his friends, the rest of the apostles, when they said Jesus has risen, he told them, I'm not going to believe it until I put my finger in the wounds in his hands and in his side. I, I, it's just too, too, too big, too much. I can't believe it until I see it. And then this account is when he actually does see and experience Jesus. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in, a, in the house together. And even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. And then, looking into Thomas's eyes, Jesus said, Put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself, Thomas. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then, the words spilled out of Thomas's heart. You are my Lord and you are my God. So at that point, Thomas's heart believed. He was open. He saw it. He was open. He believed it. And then he said, you are my Lord and my God. But then Jesus spoke and he responded. He said, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who've never seen me with their eyes but have believed me with their hearts and they will be blessed even more. So that takes me back to the statement I made about feeling or needing to see the miracle, to have the experience with God. Jesus is saying here that more blessed is he who just believes the word, who just believes the power in the seed of the word. More blessed is he than he who needs to witness the miracle before he believes in the healer and his healing or who needs to have an experiential thing happen before they believe. We all love experiential things with God. I'm at the top. I have literally jumped over rows of chairs to get to the person praying. All of a sudden, the shyness goes or the timidity goes, and I want that, so I go for it. So I'm not saying that I don't love to be touched and experience the power and the presence of God, but this is complete authority. The word is complete authority, final authority, and we don't want to in any way diminish the power of this like Thomas did. I don't want Jesus to say to me someday, you know, well, finally, Cindy, you believed. Blessed are those who didn't have to see to believe. So this progression we've talked about. First, the first heart condition was 
no understanding. The devil just stole the seed. The second one was the stones where there was offense, there was persecution, there was stuff because of the word, because of the promise of healing. And people thought you were whatever, so you backed off and the devil stole the seed. The third one was the weeds, the thorns, the distractions of life, the stuff that gets in the way and we need to pull the weeds and feed the seed. And where we're all headed, where we all desire to be is that good ground that's open and receptive. The power's in the seed, but the fruitfulness of the seed is determined by the condition of our heart. So I'm going to close with this Jeremiah scripture. I love this scripture. This is a beautiful picture of the good ground, the heart with the good ground, and the fruitfulness that, ha that comes to pass as a result. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Yeah, that's a good ground heart. Deep roots, steadfast. It doesn't matter the attack of the enemy. It doesn't matter the lies. It doesn't matter who he's trying to get you to buy. It doesn't matter the heat. You're not bothered by the heat. You're not worried by long months of drought when you haven't yet seen the result. Because it's yours. It's yours. You are green. You, you stay green and you never stop producing fruit. I see you guys right in front of me right now. I see you, Nathan and Kelly. God sees you. That's who you are. I see you, Freddie. That's who you are. I see that in so many of you. And we're all in a progress. So are these people. We're in a process knowing, knowing that it's ours. Right, Lisa? Yeah. Knowing that God's will is for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. Amen. So